began two weeks ago in the study, and we are using Emory Bancroft's book on elemental theology to go through this study. And um, I'm thanking the Lord for it. So many people have gotten the spirit of God um, wrong in their worship, in their worship services, and how they they perceive Him, their perception of Him, um, and... Um, and the works uh, of him. And um, uh, we kind of hit her a lick Sunday night when Peter seen that Cornelius and those that were with him spoke in tongues. And I know that it was dealt with when Brother Glenn went through Acts. Uh, and tongues were, because if you look in the book of Acts... I don't want to necessarily go on the whole tongues lesson, but in Acts, they they spoke in the languages of the many uh, the many nationalities of the people that had gathered into Jerusalem, and they might have just spoken in Hebrew, but in the whole in the in the whole service there, the Spirit of God allowed them to hear in their own language. Now, whether uh, Peter spoke. Hebrew and God took Hebrew out of his mouth and made it go to Ethiopian over here (laughs) and to German over here and to this over there. They all heard in their own language. Or maybe, you know, like if I went to Mexico, uh, and I've done this in Mexico actually, uh, preach in English and have a pastor there that knew English and Spanish, and I would say, you know, for God so loved, and then he would translate into Spanish, <laughs> the world that he gave, and it would just be back and forth. It's a little hard to preach that way, but I've preached that way, and in South Texas too, uh, I've done it within a, in a Spanish church and preached with a translator. <clears throat> but nonetheless, it's known languages. It's not some kind of heavenly gibberish, just saying. All right, so again... A lot of that is attributed by, and you get into these some of these churches, and they'll uh, they'll talk about uh, you know the manifestation of the Spirit of God, and so on and so forth, and and they'll use tongues in that, and they get, and if, if you go to Corinthians and, and and tongues, they got all that wrong too. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but again, like I said. They want to bring the Spirit in in a false way, and uh, we are to try these spirits because all, not all the spirits that are out there are of the Holy Spirit, and just say it that way too. All right, so it's in outline form. Again, for our visitors it's, uh, that's up and visiting with us, and I'll just go ahead since we're kind of at the beginning of it. The, the big A was the nature of the Holy Spirit, the nature of the Holy Spirit. And then the Roman numeral run, Roman numeral one underneath that was the personality of the Holy Spirit. So in His nature, He has a personality. So again, going over the doc, the doctrinal statement of God and the Trinity, we worship one God, manifests Himself in three persons. There's the personalities. Okay, manifested Himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, equal in all attributes and power. They're equal. So when you see God the Spirit, is still the one God. It's just 
the, the way that he works, uh, if you will, uh, uh, in lives and, and his mission and his purpose at this, in this dispensation. And like we, we, we learned last week, uh, so the meaning of his personality, but then the proof. Uh, and of course, when we talked about the introduction to uh, the Spirit of God, we did pre-Pentecostal and post-Pentecostal. He worked differently before Pentecost. He worked differently before Jesus was taken up. And it wasn't until Jesus was taken up, because he told his disciples, when I'm gone, God the Father will send the Comforter. So there was a whole other work. Plus, after Pentecost, the Spirit of God indwells us. And I thank the Lord for that. When we say walk in the Spirit, uh, you know, he, he is in us. And when we grieve the Spirit, we're not grieving Him out here, we're grieving Him in here. When we quench the Spirit, we quench it in here. Not using Sister Debbie negatively, by no means, but I just it's just recent, so we can use this as the example. <laughs> and, and she testified Sunday night... <laughs> That Sunday morning, <laughs> when the hotness were singing, she wanted to get up and run. And I said, you should have done it. Now, <laughs> or at least get up and just praise the Lord or whatever. And so we have the ability, if the Spirit of God is moving within us to tell us to do something like that, we can say, what will they think? Or I'll be out of place. Or whatever. And we'll let our 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 Flesh, you know, and, and the cartoons depict it pretty good when the, the little angel on this shoulder is, whisper, is whispering in this ear and the devil in this you know, shoulder lift, listening in this ear. It's basically the spirit and the flesh. We read that in Romans chapter 7. There's where the wrestlings is. It's not the little angels on your shoulders. It's the spirit that lives within us and this rotten, sinking flesh that is able to grieve the Spirit because of willful sin. You know, Brother Glenn has made, you know, it's the second look, like he's pointed out. Sometimes you just say, well, you see it, and you don't mean to see it, but you've seen it. But then when the flesh says, look again. And make it a long look. There's where you grieve the Spirit. And then to quench the Spirit is just saying, he's saying to do something. He's saying go witness. Go give this person a track. Or he's saying, raise your hand and ask to testify. Or he's saying... Take a loop out in the parking lot and praise me for a little while. <laughs> or whatever. And us and the flesh saying, what will they think? It's not the right time. It's not the right place. Well, if he's telling you to do it, it's the right time. <laughs> All right. Try the Spirit. But then I'm just saying we have the ability. But why? Because where is the Spirit? Is in us. And so when we pray for the convicting Spirit... And we pray for the uh, move of the Spirit, and we pray for the presence of God in our services. 
if our flesh is right and our heart is right when we walk in those last doors back there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then we, we allow the spirit to move because we're right in the flesh with our spirit. Our fleshly spirit is right with the Holy Spirit that's within us. Then he has free course in our services. We're not grieving or quenching him, and he, and he has free course. And if we're all, you know, coming together with that kind of mentality, then he has that free course to work, and sinners will get under conviction and get drawn and hopefully get saved, and other things will trans, transpire too. The saints of God will have that mind of living sacrifice. The saints of God will have that mind of examination. I, I don't want... Hang on a second. This is not in my lesson. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> Probably in this one. I just thought about a song. Yep. That goes right along that. Nothing, see, nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between. I'll just go to the second verse. Nothing between, God help me, and, and help us. This is a good song, and like I said, this is one that's a convicting song. Nothing between, like worldly pleasure, habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him e'er sever. He is my all, there's nothing between, nothing between, here's another one that'll get you, like pride or station, self or friends shall not intervene, though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved there's nothing between, nothing between in many hard trials. Though the, though the world, though the whole world against me convene, watching with prayer and much self-denial, <laughs> I'll triumph at last. With nothing between, here's the chorus, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing, nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. I'm just saying, <laughs> there's where we, we have to have that consciousness 
of the things that will grieve the Spirit in our lives. Pride. And all those things, friends, family, a lot of things that will grieve the Spirit within us and will quench the Spirit within us. And to to have a consciousness about it. And I think there was a conversation happening at the beginning and when Sister Debbie was, we were talking to Brother Chris, he said in nineteen, you know, in nineteen sixty eight was a whole different society. Just society was different. But you you look way back before television. Before automobiles, or at least the ability to just jump in and go at any given time of the night, before street lights. Before auditoriums and stadiums that's lit up like ballparks. You stayed at the house. You got up when the sun come up. You went to bed shortly thereafter the sun went down. And if you stayed up, it was coal oil lamps and a fireplace, a hearth that you read that the family would gather in and read the Bible. Or in certain period of time, 40s, you turn if you had a radio, the family would tune in and around the radio, the fire, the fireside chats by our president, and then some of the drama. But then there was still much given to the word, you know, and then church, and then throughout the summer there was meetings you would go to. And she kind of mentioned that just small communities. The church was a big part of the community, and 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 the Bible was a big part of the home. And, and and things like that, and 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 even and then you have the religions or the the sects of Christianity, if you want to put it that way. And we read books, and they might not all be Baptists, but you had some people. Well, even Baptist books. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress when he was in prison. Why was that such a wonderful work? What have you got to do in prison? <laughs> See what I'm saying? You can think about the things of God when you ain't got a gazillion things in life going on. Con- contemplatives. People that just sit and read the word of God and think about it. How in the world can Matthew Henry <laughs> write six volumes of commentary on one volume of book. You know what I'm saying? The whole Bible. He's got the, you know, his commentary on the whole Bible. And other men, why? Because they didn't fill their, their life with all this other stuff. They read and they thought about it and they prayed about it and they read and they compared Scripture with Scripture, maybe read some other people, but that's what their life was. So that sounds kind of boring, but I guarantee you, they had a, a way. And look, there's men. Uh, there's a there's a modern man that I know. He's still alive, and I'm just telling you, he's a man of prayer. He's a man of the the, the word. He doesn't have a lot of stuff in his home to, to 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 draw his mind out. Otherwise, if he walked in straight off the street and nobody knew who he was, 
you could just tell by his presence that he's been with God. I'm just telling you, he's that way. You just know, and not only that he's been with God in prayer, that he's a man of God. You know that he's a preacher just by the way he carries himself and just what radiates from him. You just know it. Why? Because this is where he's at. This is where his life is at, on his knees and in this book. And we do turn it around, Douglas. Look in the mirror. You'll do a whole lot better if you get in the book and on your knees a lot more. Yes, Lord, I know. Speaking to me. I don't know where I got off on that. <laughs> but anyway, the Spirit. And a lot of things about the Spirit that people have getting wrong. So, the meaning of the Spirit, His personality, the proof of it, the necessity for proof, and then the little a uh, underneath the necessity of proof was because, it as, uh, because as contrasted with the other persons of the Godhead, the Spirit seems impersonal. All right? And I think that, and I know that we got there last week. And then secondly was because the names and the symbols used of the Spirit, which are suggestive of the impersonal, such as breath, wind, power, oil, and water, seem uh, see as illustration. So, so we see the, the breath of God, the wind of God. So again, it seems impersonal because of these impersonal um, symbols and names that's given. And then thirdly, it's where we got to last week, was because the Holy Spirit is not always associated with the Father and the Son in the, in the salutations and the greetings of the New Testaments. For example, 1 Thessalonians 3.11, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Okay. So, and then this is where we're getting at to tonight. So, and then next is because the word or name spirit is neuter in the Greek. So, pneuma. So, proof of the Holy Spirit's personality. Here it is. So, the first one was the necessity for proof, and here's proof of his personality. All right. First, Masculine personal pronouns are applied to the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15. So again, although you might hear and you might see some of these other, other words used for the Spirit like breath and fire and oil and so on and so forth and you know it's referring to the Spirit, there are some in the Scripture uh, pronouns... Masculine pronouns given to the Spirit. In John chapter 15 and verse number 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, here it is, he shall testify of me. And note that, but that is a work of the Spirit. He, the Spirit, the Comforter, testifies of the Son. That's, and, and the Spirit, the Comforter, is given from the Father. And if the Spirit testifies of Jesus and you come to Christ as Jesus, it glorifies the Father. All one God. <laughs> but that's how they work together. All right, so, but we see the word He. John chapter 16 
verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him, there it is, unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Let's go ahead and grab the sentence. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So he, that's another thing that he does. He will testify of Jesus and then here's what he does. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. All right, so he reproves. It's that famous flashlight that Brother Bill likes to do. He points, he point, he puts the light on your sin. And, and as I was laying there in the dentist's office, I had to go two days in a row. It took them two days to clean my mouth. I mean, they had to use the jackhammer. Anyway, literally two days. But uh, the first day was just the bottom half, and then uh, yesterday was... The rest of it. So anyway, and uh, I thought I was being waterboarded with a new tool that they got. Anyway, I was choking around that way too. Up then, I said, uh, I said, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a shirt waterboarded at my dentist's office. You know, with the name. No, don't do that. Anyway, so, but, um, but while I was there, you know, I was reminded of, of that big light. You know, when the dentist looked at my mouth and said. I needed some help. <laughs> he was not only had that little light on his head, but they had the big light up here, and it was all aiming, and little, let me look at that again. There's that reproof. It shone the light on my sin, <laughs> all right, that was in my mouth, and the things that was missing, and other things, all right? So, but he, he was able to put the light where he needed to, and that's what the Spirit of God does in our hearts, in our lives. He said, that's it. The preacher gets up here and preaches, Name some sin. The Holy Spirit said, that's you. You're guilty. Just like I did to myself a minute ago. The Holy Spirit said, mm-hmm. You're, you're preaching yourself under the pew. Yes, I am. And that's what he does. He reproves of, proves of our sin. But we're talking about his masculinity and his masculine pronouns. All right. So then also in the same chapter, verses 13 and 14, uh, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, so he testifies of Christ, he glorifies Christ, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All right. What is he receiving? He just said it back up there, and this is just on the side. But whatsoever shall he hear? But what do you hear? You hear words, right? Who is the word? Oh, that makes sense. See how it all works together? Jesus is the word, John chapter 1. And so when we read the word, he says, it's true. He's in us. He says, that's true. That's you. That's going to reprove. That's going to point out the sin in your life. Also going to glorify him in your life. But that's what he does. That's what he, so he, he 
glorifies uh, Jesus. He testifies to Jesus. He reproves us of our sin. He points us into all truth. He's got to work. And I'm so glad he does because in the Old Testament economy, he didn't do that in, in the saints. He come upon them. They did a, a, a shortly work. Samson got his strength. He went and got all the foxes and set their tails on fire. And then whew, he got his strength <clears throat> and carried the gates, ripped them off the, the city and carried them up to the top of the hill and planted them. Boom. No more spirit. He come upon him to do what he needed to do at that particular time. Got the job on the ass, killed all the Philistines. And then he was wearied. The spirit was off of him. So then he prayed. <laughs> and then the water came out of the jawbone and he drank and he was revived. Water, a type of the spirit. <laughs> revived. So it's just, it's all there, but when you, you know, you start seeing it. Anyway, so here's, here's the commentator on this. We return to grammar to establish the personality of the Holy Spirit. Because, of, uh, because the use of neuter pronouns has been largely responsible for the idea of the impersonality of the spirit which is prevalent today. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, a neuter noun, neutral noun. This argument becomes more remarkable when we see that masculine pronouns are used in connection with pneuma except where the construction compels a neuter, as in Romans 8.16, thus showing that the Bible idea of the personality of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, dominates grammatical construction. Christ, the supremely authoritative spokesman of God, the Word, pours into the New Testament depository of truth the many times repeated personal pronouns referring to the Spirit, which show beyond all question that He recognized the Spirit as personal in nature. There is another grammatical testimony which must be mentioned, and that is Christ's use of the masculine noun parakletos, which is the Greek word, in referring to the Spirit in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. All right, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, parakletos, which is to come alongside that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Woo. There it is. Everything Jesus was to the disciples, the other was to be, and more, because of Jesus' human limitation, the person coming to take the place of a person. And, and, and that's another thing, too. When he says, look, he, he uh, we just read it a minute ago, I will not leave you comfortless, uh, and then he will send a comforter, and, uh, but I have to leave because if I don't leave, he can't come. And what a blessing that that is. So this is <laughs> it's just falling into place in my brain. And my heart, and I'm getting a little excited about it because so in the Old Testament, when you know God showed Himself in the periods of times and talked with men, but nobody could look directly upon God. 
But, you know, they seen the hinder parts and they, they spoke with him in the garden and one thing or another. But then he came. Jesus was God incarnate. He walked among men. But then to bring it down where it's Christ in us, the Spirit now indwells us. He's, he, he says right there, he, sh- he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And the Bible tells us in Colossians that Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Christ was, I mean, God was here. Then God was here as Jesus. And now God is in us. <laughs> and when the, when the Spirit of God in, in you saying, yeah, that's right, you know. That's what I've been trying to tell you all your Christian life. And if you'd pay attention to me more, walk with me more, seek me more, seek the word and the truth more, I'll guide you into all truth. That's what I'm here for. But we so neglect God, that flesh, dirty, rotten, stinking flesh, like Paul told told us about in Romans chapter 7. I know I need to be doing this, but I don't do it. I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I do it anyway. And it's this flesh that wars against the Spirit. Not just wrestles, but wars. It's a a combat. No wonder we feel so defeated when we grieve or quench. When we give in to the flesh, and the spirit is like grieve, grieve, and we're miserable until we get right, until we go to the advocate. Woo! All right, let's see here. Let's try to get a couple more here. All right, associations of the spirit with the other persons of the Godhead and with individuals. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. Let's go pick up 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and preach... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Amen. So again, associations of the Spirit with the other persons of the Godhead. We see that all of them as individuals. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Individual personalities, one God, individuals. And then Acts chapter 15 and verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay up uh, to lay upon you no greater burden than those necessary things. All right, so 
Let's go ahead and finish the sentence. That ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from the things strangled and from fornication and from which or from which if ye keep yourselves ye shall do well. Fare ye well. All right, so um, so individuals. So such associations, there's a C further, but we're not going to go there. Such associations which are personal can only be understood in relation to personalities. So the Holy Ghost and us, that's a personality. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three persons are mentioned. All right, so we see the personality beyond the breath, the fire, the oil, and those impersonal words used to describe the Spirit of God. Let's see. All right. Let's grab these real quick, and then we'll be done. All right. So personal characteristics ascribed ascribed to the Holy Spirit. By characteristics, now again, this is under proof of the Holy Spirit's personality. Here's the three of them. Masculine personal pronouns applied to the Holy Spirit, associations of the Holy Spirit with the other persons of the Godhead and with individuals. And then thirdly, personal characteristics ascribed to the Holy Spirit. By characteristics, we do not mean hands, feet, or eyes, for these denote corporeity, but qualities such as knowledge, feeling, and will, which denote personality. All right, so intelligence is A under these personal characteristics ascribed to the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So again, intelligence the intelligence, that's a personal characteristic of the Holy Spirit. These deep things that he knows and the ability to search all things. Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. And he searcheth the hearts, or he that searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit is not merely an illuminating power or influence, but is a person possessed of intellect who knows the deep things of God and reveals them to us. He leads us into all truth. He knows the deep things of God. Whatever he hears from God, we done read that. Whatever he heareth from me, Jesus talking, he said he will manifest them to you. He will. So... Uh, so there's there's that. Then his will. He has a will. First Corinthians twelve. Verse eleven. Let's back up. Uh grab the sentence. Let's go to verse number eight. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To 
to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one, all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing every man severally as he will. Now the Spirit is the one that gives these gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. And again, going back there to the tongues there. Can anybody here speak more than one language? Okay. Do some of us may be inclined to it, if we put our mind to it, be able to learn a second language. I know a woman, know of a woman. She used to be my mom's boss when I was about that tall. She spoke seven different languages. There's a missionary that I'd like to have come by here. He's from Alabama. She's from Spain. So she speaks three different languages. Spanish, well, four different languages. Spanish, English, French, and then there's kind of a, I forget, there's a, it's kind of a mixture between Spanish and French that's there in one section of Spain, and she speaks that too. And then she could hear me if, if there was a person sitting on the pew that didn't know English, and she would be able to hear me in English and interpret it for the person there in Spanish or in French. That's a gift. Not everybody has that. The Spirit has given that to some people. Some people are just stuck in their own language, and they don't do good at that. <laughs> so anyway, they're from the South. Um, all those double negatives. But uh, so there's that. So, but it's all these that we read there from eight down. It's it's given by the will of the Spirit. All right. So he has a will. Um, and it that which is is impersonal is not possessed of violation. Okay, will. Then love. He has love. Uh, Romans 15, we're going to grab the, just uh, two more after love, and then we'll be done. Romans 15, and verse number 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that, to, that do not believe in Judea and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may be with you and may with you be refreshed. So again, the love of the Spirit as mentioned in verse number 30. So he has love. We owe our salvation just as truly to the love of the Spirit as we do to the love of the Father and the love of the Son. Mr. Torrey said that. His goodness, Nehemiah. I'm going back to the Old Testament for this one. Nehemiah.
before Esther, after Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 9. If you got a Schofield Bible, page 551. <laughs> uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 20. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. All right, again, his goodness, that's his goodness. So we see his love, this is his goodness, thy good spirit. So he's talking about God there. So his goodness, so, he's, so these are the personal characteristics ascribed to the Holy Spirit, intelligence, will, love, goodness, and finally grief. And we've already kind of hit this a little lick. Ephesians chapter 4, a little bit more than what I thought that I would, but I think God was in it because I busted my hide. All right, so um, a little bit in there, give good instruction. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let's go ahead and finish it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Grieve not. One cannot grieve the law of gravitation, nor cause the east wind to mourn, Therefore, unless the Holy Spirit is a person, Paul's injunction here was meaningless and superfluous. All right, so there's that. And then we'll get into the next one next week.